as we prepare to prepare, get that? As this pre-Lenten season we prepare to prepare, let us remember the ongoing threefold way of purgation, illumination, and union with Christ. Uh, this um, very ancient understanding of growth in Christ and how our lives are to be led uh, was mentioned by Bishop Ackerman uh, this last week. I don't know if you caught it, but purgation, illumination, and union with Christ. This is always the path that we are called to follow. We must daily purge our sins. We must seek the light of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we must or should be seeking to rest in union with Christ himself as we pray in the canon of the Mass that he may dwell in us and we in him. This grand project of our lives has its ups and downs, of course. We all know this. I talked about this a little bit in catechesis today that we have these times of, gosh, this season hasn't been so good. That would be a downtime. And then we have, you know, hey, I think, I'm, I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. You know, be careful, right? You know, just when you think you've got it down, then you're going to trip and fall. So in humility, thank God for the successes and pray that they may continue. When we see growth in our character, we're encouraged, or at least I hope we are. Uh, even though when you grow in your character, you you start to purge some sin that's been a problem. And what, and my understanding is you peel that layer away and you go, oh, look what's underneath it. But be encouraged that now you get to tackle something that you didn't even know you were struggling with. We can often um, be encouraged, but then see our normal or habitual sins um, just come right back. And... We harm our relationships. We harm our prayer life. And when we fall into those habitual sins, and all of you know what yours are, um, that just does damage to everything in our lives. So we want to seek to keep growing. In humility, seek God's spirit that he might help us to continue to grow and not get too arrogant. I, I don't know about you, but that's, I'm like, all right, this is great, God. I'm I'm in Vince. Oops. Um, so be careful of that. So that's the curse. That's the fall. That's the sinful nature that we've started with in our lives. Our calling is to pursue a holy God with a big agenda for his world and for each of us. As we look at the gospel lesson this morning, let's keep in mind our pursuit of union with Christ and examine our own hearts, our own souls, and perhaps better prepare our hearts to hear the seed of God's word. <clears throat> Turn to page 696 of the Pew Bibles in front of you, or, or of your own Bible if you have it, and let's look at our lesson. Our lesson is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8, starting at verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. 
Jesus then interprets the parable starting at verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed of the word, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. St. Cyril of Alexandria points out to us that Jesus is truly the sower of all that is good, and we are his farm. The whole harvest of spiritual fruits is by him and from him. He taught us this when he said, without me you can do nothing. So let us remember that when we are moving forward in the threefold way, purging our sins, seeking the guidance and light of the Holy Spirit, and consistently finding more and more union with Christ, we are doing so by the power of God. We, can do, we cannot do that consistently and pleasing unto God without God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights most assuredly, including our spiritual growth. When we are not growing, we need to start to root out sin. St. Clement of Alexandria, a very well-educated early father in Alexandria, Egypt, notes that God has given humanity the wisdom of the Greeks and that that wisdom actually has some items of truth or representations of reality. He says... It is clear that the Greek preliminary education combined with philosophy itself has come from God to human beings, not as an ultimate goal, but rather as rainstorms bursting upon fertile soil, manure heaps and houses alike. Grass and wheat sprout alike, fig trees and other less respectable trees grow on top of graves. These growths emerge in the pattern of the genuine articles because they enjoy the same power of the rain, but they do not have the same charm as those that, those that grow in rich soil. They either wither or are torn up. Yes, the parable of the seed, as explained by the Lord, has its place here too. He then explains that there is only one cultivator of the soil within human beings. It is the one who from the first, from the foundation of the universe, has been sowing the seeds with potential growth, who has produced rain on every appropriate occasion in the form of his sovereign word. So we have the reality of the sower, who is God himself, sowing the seed of his word in the world and in our lives. How does our spiritual, our own spiritual life compare to these soils whereof we read this morning? We might think that we've progressed beyond the first example, the ones on the wayside. The ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Many of us would say, well, I'm already baptized. I'm already a member of the church. I'm beyond this example in my spiritual life. 
please don't think this way. The spiritual life, as we've been saying, takes constant vigilance. I've known many serious Christians who have grown up on their, uh, in their spiritual lives altogether, and many who have subsequently given up, sorry, many who have given up on their spiritual lives altogether, and many who have, many who have subsequently given up on the Christian faith altogether. I once believed, I practiced a spiritual life, I went to church, I went to prayer, and then suddenly I'm not working on that anymore. And then suddenly I realized I don't really believe any of this anymore. This is the season of this, is it not, in our culture? Oh, well, I'm a deconstructed Christian. That's the new thing. I mean, everyone's got to do it to be hip. So I, I start to lose my way because I'm not paying attention to my way. To be fair, I think that what passes for Christianity in our culture today has not helped. So many people grow up in the church thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then they go, wait a minute, what, what am I doing? This doesn't really even make any sense. And there's no intellectual stature to what my Christian faith has been. I've known people personally who've just said, you know, I went to Christian college and I graduated and realized that was all bunk. I didn't learn anything of value. And they hit the first neo-pagan, the first uh, neo-atheist, the first you name it, and they don't have anything to say to them. Their intellectual faith was not built up and what they were given, they thought, well, this doesn't make any sense, really. I mean, I can't answer the questions of these people, my, my neo-pagan friends, for example. So this is the season of that first example of soil. We have spiritual enemies. They will do their utmost to help us to disbelieve, to doubt, and to give up. We must be careful not to allow ourselves to be entrapped by our enemies as we pursue our spiritual lives. We must actually be pursuing and not doing something else when we're supposed to be pursuing. It's an active, ever-present activity in our lives. St. Cyril notes the type of person who will be easy prey for the enemy. All whose minds are hard and unyielding, and so to speak, pressed together, do not receive the divine seed. The divine and sacred admonition does not find an entrance into them. They do not accept the words that would produce in them the fear of God. Closed off, not interested in hearing what the church has to say about the word, not hear, interested in hearing the word itself. Sorry, back to St. Cyril. They do not accept the words that were produced in them, the fear of God, and by means of which they could bring forth as fruits the glories of virtue. Let those who are awake, whose heart is sterile and unfruitful, open your mind. Receive the sacred seed. Be like productive and well-tilled soil. Bring forth to God the fruits that will raise you to an incorruptible life. The second type of soil is rocky soil. Those with rocky soil, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Cyril instructs us again. There are men whose faith has not been proved. 
They depend simply on words and do not apply their minds to examining the mystery. Oh yeah, we can say mystery. It's okay. There's real mystery. And we are called to examine it. I didn't say called to explain it. True mystery is at some point unexplainable. It doesn't mean we can't explain it at all. That's for another discussion. Are our Oh, sorry. They depend simply on words and do not apply, apply their minds to examining the mystery. Their piety is sapless and without root. So are our spiritual lives going deeper than the surface? Are we challenging our minds with the faith? Cyril here calls for applying our minds to mystery. He says that this type of person or one of us who is in this type of place in our spiritual lives will joyfully receive instruction in the church and then when we leave we at once forget the sacred doctrines and go about in our customary course not having stored up within ourselves anything for our future benefit. He concludes with, if the affairs of Christians go on peacefully and no trial disturbs them, even then they scarcely maintain the faith and that, so to speak, in a confused and tottering state. When persecution troubles them and the enemies of the truth attack the churches of the Savior, their heart does not love the battle and their mind throws away the shield and runs. The third type of soil we see in our lesson is the soil with thorns. People with this type of soil in their hearts are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Cyril cautions us about having this type of soil, of course, and gives us the remedy for our pursuit of the threefold way of growth. In these things, he says, we must be like skillful farmers who patiently cleared away the thorns and uprooted whatever is hurtful. And then we scatter the seed in clean furrows. One can say with confidence that doubtless they will come with joy bearing their sheaves. If a person scatters seed in ground that is fertile, fertile in thorns, fruitful in briars, and densely covered with useless stubble, he sustains a double loss. First, he loses his seed, and second, his work. In order that the divine seed may blossom well in us, first, let us cast out of the mind worldly cares and the unprofitable anxiety which makes us seek to be rich. This cleaning up of the soil, this tilling of the garden and digging up the weeds, this is where we're at now in pre-Lent. This is the time to start to do this work. Let us be content with what God has given us and let us only be content with fertile and well-tilled soil in our hearts. This time of year, we look into our hearts and we go, tis a weeded garden, rank and defiled. We want a heart of soil that will produce the rich yield of union with Christ. That kind of life requires us to be on guard against allowing our souls to become hard and packed 
rocky or overgrown with thorns and briars. Make no mistake about it. This is all hard work. Jesus did not say, come unto me and I will give you a bed of roses to lay in. He said they will hate you because they hate me. This false gospel, at least part of it's false, and saying that everything's easy after you come to faith, we need to never say it. We need to be honest and say, no, a lot of people are killed for their faith today around the world. Thanks be to God we're not there. Now, let's pray that we never get there. But it is a reality that people are dying for their faith, they're suffering for their faith. Let us till uh, the soil of our hearts. Let us weed it, let us make sure it's not packed down, let us dig those furrows so that God can plant the seeds there and we can bear the fruit of love, the chief of virtues, and all the other virtues and the gifts of the Spirit that come after. St. Cyril says that when the divine word falls upon a pure mind, skillful in cleansing itself from things hurtful, it fixes its root deeply and shoots up like an ear of corn. It brings its fruit to perfection, being strong in blade and beautifully flowered. This is the type of spiritual life we all want. May we pursue it with vigor during this Lenten season ahead of us. We, may we start today and may we come to the table to receive the grace and the help that we'll need to accomplish this task. Amen.